You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Why I'll Never Make It, a lighthearted podcast that takes a revealing look at a career in the entertainment industry, featuring stories and conversations with those on stage and backstage, on screen and behind the scenes. To keep up with all the guests and episodes, go to the website, winmepodcast.com. There you will find ways to follow and connect via Twitter and Instagram, as well as ways to support and donate to this podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, and this is Why I'll Never Make It. And welcome to another episode of Why I'll Never Make It. This is part two of my focus on auditions. And today I have with me casting director John Ort. And I first met him about two years ago when he cast me in the reading of a new musical called Parallel Lines, which we presented at the Dramatist Guild here in New York. But apart from casting stage productions at places like Joe's Pub, the Cherry Lane Theater, and the New York Friends Festival... He also was the former manager of casting at ABC Primetime. He's worked on CBS's Bull, NBC's Blindspot, and his associate credits include season one of the series Ozark, which was on Netflix, for which he won an Ardios Award for Outstanding Casting. And he's also worked on feature films and even a music video. So he has covered the gamut when it comes to casting here in the city. And I join him today at his office in Union Square, to talk about auditions and the art of casting. John, thank you so much for being here on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So as we get started here, just give a brief history of how and why you got into casting. I originally was an actor uh, and uh, went to Fordham University. Uh, trained there here here in the city, uh, Lincoln, the Lincoln Center campus. And at that time, really wanted to know what was going on on the other side of the table. Uh, and so at the time, I did an internship, both with a talent agency and a casting office. I really wanted to see what both both sides of that were. Um, and at this point, did you have any idea that you would maybe want to go into those areas or you still wanted to be an actor at this yeah, point? Yeah, I had no no concept of that at all. Uh, I just, <laughs> you know, as an actor, felt that you're working on your the craft and, you know, you're training how to be an actor. 
but you're not necessarily when you're in school always getting a sense of well what's what's the business side right that's true of it and so i really just wanted to know what's happening in terms of the representation side of things and then also what's going on with the casting offices and my internship in casting was in office uh, Johnson Lift Casting who you know at the time was doing Miss Saigon and Les Mis and Cats and Phantom of the Opera uh, and also doing work at Second Stage and I just fell in love with casting and they really took me under their wing and let me go and sit in on auditions that were happening and just much more than just sort of working in the office they really let me go and experience you know what the what was happening in the room yeah to really see what it was like behind the table absolutely yeah. after that was over and i graduated i continued acting but i kind of always dabbled in it you know if if a friend was putting up a play and i knew there was nothing in that play for me i would immediately say let me cast it so sort of just always kept doing that um it was definitely something that you found an interest in and a passion for doing Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, it really became at the time, since I was still pursuing acting, it was a second love. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I knew I really loved it. And as the years went on, more and more, you know, just started to feel like, you know what, I'm, that really might be more the, the right place for, for me in this business. You know, now we're going back about, yeah, maybe 12 years, you know, when I really decided to, to full time. Transition was there casting. a particular event or something that really happened that, where, where you made that transition to casting as opposed to acting? Uh, it was a lot of things. But, you know, often the jobs I were booking were out of town. I was doing a lot of regional theater. Yeah, which happens a lot. Yeah. Which happens a lot. And I, at that time, you know, had started a new relationship and just kept feeling more and more the need to, to settle down more and want to be in New York Full time. You, you wanted more stability. I wanted yeah. more stability, which, which is what we all want as I'm actors. A, right? <laughs> and I'm a Capricorn, and it's just part of my nature. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, actually, I, I didn't. I found myself not really loving the work mm. when I was off somewhere for a few months. You know, working on a play, I wasn't really loving it. Yeah. And more and more, found myself being pulled towards casting. And just finally, yeah. I'm wondering through those years when you were kind of juggling both the the casting and the acting, was there anything in those times when you got to sit behind the table or cast these student films, as you said, was there anything that you learned there that you then brought over into your own acting and the way you you auditioned yourself? Um, You know, at the time, I'm not sure actually that I was so, I I was quite as self-aware as you know, now years of, of being on the casting side of things and having a lot more experience, you know, I, I realize all, all these things that I wish I knew then. But yes, I, I see a lot now and I think I made all those mistakes yeah. or wasn't aware that I, you know, I, I was entering the room thinking way too much about the casting director or who's on the other side of the table who, you know, trying to impress someone or that, you know, every audition is, is the thing. It's the and it's most a, important. It's the, it's and the all it, that matters. Yeah. yeah. And it's for an actor, that kind of thinking, I, I just think now on the other side of the table is like that, that just gets in your way. And as a casting director, how does that show up in the room? I'm, I'm curious how that, uh, how that comes across. 
I mean, the obvious would just be nerves. Mm-hmm. You know, when you notice somebody's very nervous, and you know, I'm, you know, I want to, I want to create an environment that's very warm and that's going to allow people to feel really comfortable and let them do their best work. Right. And that's why I'm here. You know, is to to hopefully be a, be a part of that. You know, don't don't worry about me. You know, let let's focus on the work. Let's focus on. I want someone to come in having really worked on the material, you know, making strong choices and having a strong opinion about what's going on on the page. And and then there's confidence in that, mm-hmm. you know, and there's confidence in that approach and then be open to take adjustments and be able to, to play and, and then, you know, have the ability to be able to, to then work on it with each other and, and play a bit. And as far as, as being in the room and, and being prepared and confident, as you say, is there really ever a wrong choice because I think that's a lot of times what us actors worry about that if we make this bold choice well that's the wrong choice and then and then they won't consider us is there really a wrong choice when it comes to preparing for a side I, I don't think there's a wrong choice I think I think that what's important is that have a, a clear understanding of, of what what are the circumstances what's happening on the page um, you know you, again you have a strong opinion about that you know what what, a, what your objective is you've really worked that material and you're making choices and changing tactics or whatever you're doing that's all for that objective of the scene there's no wrong choices in that i might have some information that you didn't have but i want to see that that first strong run through and again it's you know your interpretation of it you know, you hear, you know, you don't want it to be one note. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're looking for, you know, maybe different colors, you know, with, within that scene. I think it's just important to, to make sure that it makes sense for the scene. Yeah, within the context of within the character exactly. and everything. Right. Within the context of everything that's going, yeah, who, who, who you are, you know, on that page and the circumstances and that everything makes sense. You're not, you're not making a choice just to throw in another yeah, color right. that doesn't just make to stand sense. Out, yeah. But I think that's a that would be a rarity, you know? So that's why I say, no, I don't, I don't think there's any wrong choices if, if you have a, a strong interpretation yeah. of it yeah, it's in the audition process. Do you know what I mean? Right. It's interesting that you bring that up because I just did an audition where it was for this father. He was, you know, this marine biologist. This, So he seemed like a kind of a professional, but also fatherly. So I was trying to figure that out. And so I went in with, with a suit, but no tie, you know, just trying to like bridge that gap between professional, personal, still casual. Mm-hmm. And then the director's in the room. He's like, well, I see this is more like a sweater wearing dad, you know, with, with, with slacks or jeans. And so I was like, okay, so I completely got that wrong, <laughs> but I still got a callback. So even though I made a choice that w- wasn't what the director saw, you know, I prepared the material and did it and was able to take that adjustment. And exactly. so I think that's what you're saying. Absolutely. It's about being able, being malleable in the room. Absolutely. And that you clearly made a choice. Mm-hmm. You didn't just come in and sort of just read through what's on the page. <laughs> you know, yeah. you made a clear choice. Right. The director said, oh, I, I see it differently. And then you were able to take that adjustment. What would you say is the biggest difference in the type of choices or type of action that you're looking for from stage actors as opposed to film tv actors what's the difference in those auditions that you're looking for you know uh, i think that the biggest difference is probably just a technical one 
when you're on stage, you're performing for an audience. So you have to be aware a bit more. Do you need to reach a thousand people? <laughs> you know, whereas on camera, you know, I, we often talk about the camera as a spy cam. It's almost voyeuristic, you know, that we're, we're able to spy in on this moment in life actually happening and so it should be that believable, that effortless, that intimate, that intimate, right? depending okay. on the scene. You know, if you're if you're standing right next to somebody, you know, and you're having a conversation, then there's no need to project, right? right. As you would, and you know how everyone is immediately trained when they're training for theater. <laughs> that's, that's always the first thing I get whenever I go in for TV. Is it's like take it down, take right, it right, down. right. I can hear right. you. <laughs> Right, right. It's an adjustment. It, it really is. is. No, but it's that technical adjustment, you know, of just understanding where you are on the page. So on right. camera, there's no too big. There's no too small. It's just, is it organic? Is it coming from an organic place? Is it truthful? And do I believe you? Yeah. You know, I also bring that up in the sense of, you know, some people ask, well, what's my frame? Not that it's not important to know, but... Uh, you know, I'll worry about that yeah. more than I need you to worry about it in the sense that I don't want you to dampen down your choices for it. Right. If you need to make a gesture with your hand, then make that gesture. And Absolutely. You're just, yeah. I just need you living. For myself, I've had sides where it was like a page, page and a half. And so you're actually having dialogue, a scene. And then I've had the ones where it's literally one line. Yeah. M maybe barely a sentence. Uh-huh. And so... Is, is there a different way that we as actors need to prepare for those? I think with those, uh, taking each one, so uh, the, the half a phrase, the one, the one word yeah, sometimes, right. it's, you know, get back to the basics in a way. What do you want? Who are you? You know, who, what is the character? What do they do? You see half the time, the name of the role is literally their job. <laughs> right. Waiter. Yeah. <laughs> Reporter. Exactly. Whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. Salesman. I do think you want to really just simplify it. Because at that point, those roles, you know, they're there to, to help authenticate the world. Whatever world we're in. So that people really feel, again, that like we're just spying on, on this life happening. And it goes back to that. Do I... Do I believe you? It's so easy to overthink those one lines. Absolutely. Though. It really you know, is. I think sometimes the, you know, the biggest thing, especially the one word, hmm. that's the killer. Everybody, should I improv? Should I, you know, <laughs> should I add some things? No, probably not. Yeah. They wrote one word. They're going to look for someone who's going to deliver that one word believably for the situation and the circumstances that are on the page pretty much exactly, you know? Yeah, because you're you're really just there to facilitate, to give exposition, whatever it is. You're there to just kind of get to the next plot point. Sure. It, or, or, or the next, sure. next moment, sure. whatever it is. But so as an actor, I think just simplified in that way. You know, now, you know, now we're talking a page and a half. But still, it's still about what are the circumstances? Why is this person there? What are you doing? What do you want? What's your function? Again, there to become that character to help tell the story. Right. You know, as the roles get, you know, larger, when you start getting into situations where it's a recurring or maybe it's a series regular, it, it, then it can shift a, a little bit. It, it, then I, I do think it often becomes much more about you. When it, when it comes to those roles, it's not fully realized yet. When you're going to be a series regular or recur, you have the first episode. 
but you don't know where that story is ultimately going in season three at, at that point when you're doing a pilot. And so in, in those cases, is it even more important to bring yourself, to bring those personal choices that you would imbibe that character with? I think so. I think I think it is important to bring yourself to it. You want to take a look at, at the material that's been given and, and, and try to get a sense of how much of yourself can you show? Again, it needs to make sense. You know, the choices have to make sense for what's going on, who, who you are in that world. But it's not then just about, okay, just give me what's here on the page. It does become much more about, well, who are you? What choice, what, you know, show me what's not on the page. How are you going to bring yourself to this in a way that's going to inspire someone to want to write for you? It's almost, you know, just giving yourself the freedom to say, what can I show? It, it, you know, it's a drama, but is there a place to show a little bit of humor? It, it, you know, is there a place to show some vulnerability? Whatever it is that you're at least, you're asking those questions hmm. as, you're, as you're working on it. Because, you know, there is only one you. So everyone, you know, is going to have a unique take on it. There's something in just allowing yourself the freedom to know that you can bring yourself to it. Yeah. To put some of your own point of view into the character. Exactly. Color it with that. Exactly. And I think that that goes for anything. And again, it goes back to, okay, but whatever choices you're making, does it make sense for this character, this world? Just making sure that doesn't end up going to a place of, Okay, I see, I see you making choices because you've been told you got to make choices. And so we, the, the casting director never wants to see us working. I guess no. Is that that's a good way to put really. it? Not really. Yeah, no. It, it should feel very effortless. We should be able to, you know, as an audience, you want to just sit back and forget about all that. We don't want to see. Oh, okay, okay. I can see all the choices that you're making. It's not naturally flowing. Yeah. And I think that that's so difficult because I, I get that sense, that conversational, that, that's a, a big buzzword when I mm-hmm. go into auditions, you know, make it conversational, mm-hmm. like you're talking to a friend. And I think that for whatever reason, us actors, we can kind of fight against that. We, we, we want to, to be funny. We want to be dramatic. We want to mm-hmm. be vulnerable. All these things that, mm-hmm. that you've said, we want to show that. Yes. And it, and instead of letting letting the script kind of dictate where that's going to go, find those beats within the script rather than inserting them, I, yeah. is, is what it sounds yeah. like you're saying. It shouldn't be much. It, it shouldn't feel much different than you and I just chatting right now. I'm, I'm also especially sort of leaning on camera. You know, in, in this conversation, if once the camera goes on, you feel your whole energy shift. You know, if when you're acting. It's a uh, whole different energy. Yeah. To me, might be a clue that you, you probably working a little too hard. It's like you get that stance where your feet are in that position, your chest kind of puffs up a little bit, you're on. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you get that sense of, okay, now I'm on. Yeah. And that's why sometimes I, you know, look, everybody works differently. You know, I, I might like what someone did in a, in a first take. I'll, I'll often say, great rehearsal. Let's, let's do it again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's just do it again. Any notes? No, no notes. Just, I just want to. Give it another run. Because I find that, you know, of course, ideally, that first one that you come in with is going to be totally relaxed and easy (laughs) and whatever. But sometimes you find that, you know, that second one, it's like you got one out of your system and then it calms. Right. You can kind of settle in. Settle in just a little bit. 
Uh, so I like that second take. I like to allow for that. It's just, it's going to be natural for there to be a little bit of, you know, nerves kick in and, yeah. you know, for, especially for something that really should just be conversational. It's going to want to feel really effortless. Yeah. Getting to the technical side of the audition, the should we be memorized or unmemorized? You know, like, what, what is your what are your thoughts on on holding the sides, holding the script? I say always have those sides in your hand. Um, we expect that. You know, ideally, yes, you've had the chance to really memorize it and really work that material and be super prepared and know exactly what you want to what you want to do. Even when that's the case, I want you to have those pages in your hand. It's it's there for you. So when suddenly the lights are on, the camera's rolling and 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 nerves do kick in, it's there for you. Ultimately, the flow and your choices are much more important than did you memorize or not memorize. The best auditioners find a way to incorporate They've learned a way to either memorize in a way where they, they really know kind of moment by moment where that falls on page one or two or three. When they do suddenly realize that they've maybe lost their place or they're not exactly sure what the next line is, they just take a look and then they look back up and they're back with their partner. And, you know, the, the, there's an ease to it. The, the flow is the most important thing. You look down a few times uh, ultimately, nobody cares about that. Obviously, you're reading off the page or you didn't really prepare enough. So now nerves kick in. And so you're just constantly searching for the line. You know, that doesn't work. Yeah. You know, I want those sides in your hand. The other thing that can happen is somebody really memorized those sides. They took the time. They memorized them. They know them so well at home. They did it a hundred times. They come in. Nerves kick in and they stubbornly will not look at the page and can't get through it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not someone that wants to go back and edit a bunch of takes. I want one take. I need you to be comfortable with those pages. I need you to, in those moments, just take a look. It's not a big deal. Kind of say to yourself, if I were being paid to come in and, and, it's going to be the first take. Someone just says, I just want to see what your first take is. Mm. Go. What would you do? And did you bring your best of, of that day? Yeah, because it is a day-to-day thing. You know, we yeah. we, <laughs> we have our great days and bad days. Uh, and please. we still have to audition All no matter which day it is. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, that you're able to, you know, at least feel like I did the work. And I'm going to show them what I would do. I, when I'm having auditions, I'm often the reader. Um, I like I like that. It's also part of what I like to do is actually really be in the scene with that person, you know, because I get a, a good feel for it by doing it that way. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to watch back and see and see what know, it looked like on screen. See what it see, did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. But you know, in the room. So that's more my style. But I also, you know, yeah, you never know who you're going to get. You know, someone's re- reading that day and it's a comedy and their timing is terrible (laughs) it happens right right. and you do have to just do your best and go with it and uh but again all those things are only going to be more difficult if you haven't really prepared yeah if you don't know it and you know that's the that's the biggest thing that i think in auditioning in terms of you know pet peeves or whatever 
is is someone really not being prepared. Mm. Mm. They kind of thought they were just going to wing it. And when all of those things are happening, it's too much. You can't, you, it's not going to work. What are your, your favorite types of, of work that you do? Uh, it, 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 whether it's a particular show or just a type of uh, medium that you enjoy most? Huh. As you said, I sort of dabble in, in all of it. <laughs> right. Because I love all of it. Uh, that said, I, you know, in a way sort of fell into television um, a decade ago. And... I don't know if it's just because I, I know it the best, but, you know, I, I feel very comfortable in that medium. You know, I think every show can be very different and it's exciting to work on a lot of different kinds of, of things. Um, They're all your children and you love them the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when it comes to auditions, what is one thing that each of us need? A rehearsal space. Well, did you know that June is New York Music Month? And during that month, Spaceworks is offering free rehearsal space. That's right, free rehearsal space. All brought to you by the Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment. Now, Spaceworks builds and operates creative workspaces both in Brooklyn and Queens. So starting May 1st, if you're a singer or musician, you can book free space in June at Spaceworks 20 Studios in Park Slope, Williamsburg, and Long Island City. Now, to book space, you'll need to request a free Spaceworks card, which is a simple application process, and again, it's free. I did it myself online, and I got my Spaceworks card, so now I can go into their facilities and book spaces. It took just a couple of weeks to receive mine by mail. So sign up today at spaceworksnyc.org to get your free Spaceworks card and join their community of workspaces. Look in the show notes for that link so you can go to it directly. Now, a big thank you to Spaceworks for this amazing offer of their rehearsal spaces for the listeners of Why I'll Never Make It and artists around the city. So I have a question for one of our listeners. This is uh, from Megan. And she said, what well-intentioned things do actors tend to do that ends up shooting them in the foot instead of moving their career forward, i.e. Uh, going out for projects they aren't actually available for, you know, just to be seen or maybe sending, you know, too much to a, to an office, uh, communicating, contacting them too much? Well, I think I think that the first one um, that Megan brings up is a is a good one. You know, I, I think you should avoid going in for something that you have no intention of actually accepting. You know, I think you know from for our perspective, if if someone is is auditioning for a role, you're putting us in a position where if you come in, you do a great job, we're sending you to producers we and the director, and we don't want them to get excited about somebody who would then pass. True, yeah. You know, so I don't think it's a smart approach just because you're saying, well, I don't know that casting director, I want them to see me. If for whatever reason you wouldn't want to actually accept the role you're auditioning for, I would turn down the audition for whatever reason rather than go in and then later not want to do that. Yeah. 
on a smaller scale. I don't think that this is the end of the world in any way or not going to advance somebody. But I think don't walk into an audition apologizing. Yeah. You know, don't don't walk in apologizing that you just got sent the material or you didn't, you know, you didn't have time to prepare and it's yeah, not to, gonna to come in with the excuses yeah, yeah it, it doesn't i think you, you're undercutting yourself and mm-hmm. you're basically saying this is gonna be bad <laughs> <laughs> and i'm real sorry about that and, and, and here's a casting you're like well i'm so glad you're here then <laughs> exactly it just doesn't you know it's not really helpful to anybody uh, at the end of the day we need to see again what are you going to do yeah, with this material? It doesn't really help to say, well, they just got the material. They really would have been you know, much better. Yeah. We know, or maybe we don't know, but find us before you're entering that room. Yeah. So don't, don't run in apologizing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if the director producer or whatever is in the room. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and when I was a, an assistant or even an associate and somebody runs in apologizing, they just got the material. Even if the casting director knows the situation, you feel sort of put on the spot. Well, who sent that material? I did. You know, it's right, a, it's a, right. it's just, yeah. I would just avoid avoid that. <laughs> yeah, no unintentional throwing someone under the bus. Exactly, for, for exactly. Yeah. And maybe you know, yeah, it's just a, it's just something that, yeah, I think it doesn't help yeah. anyone. The next question I have is from Ian, and he is wondering what is the best way to contact uh, a casting director? Is it through email? Is it just actors access? Physical mail? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it. I, honestly, I think it's very. Um, it's it's really a personal question to to each casting office. Um, definitely, everyone should have their actors access account. You know that's a that's a great way. Um, you know, and then when you have met someone, I think then it then you you want to ask that casting director. You know how how what's the best way to keep in touch? Yeah, because I know for myself, I I used to do the postcard route, and I and I just found. For myself, no benefit from it. And mm-hmm. I even uh, would, would talk to a couple of casting directors a while later and, and mention something that I told them in the postcard that they never, they're like, oh, I didn't know that. So obviously they didn't yeah. see that postcard because yeah. it gets lost in their other mail. So, I mean, for me, I didn't find any personal benefit from that. But, right. but yeah, but maybe there are those who go through every postcard, love think, that, and I they love the physical too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think some too. Yeah. I, you know, so it just, yeah, it, it just, uh, it depends. But, you know, again, in the digital age, things are changing and most things are being received online. You're not really going through you know, mailed pictures as much. <laughs> right, anymore. right, exactly. Which actually brings me to uh, to my last question about um, about self tapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because especially on Actors Access, there's a lot of eco casts, as they're called. So, with these self tapes, are you looking for something different or a better way to prepare than you would were we actually in the room for you? Like, what what is the best way an actor can prepare for one or the other? I think the the important thing about a self tape, you want to do all the same work that you would do if you were coming in the room. For me, it just it's just sort of a, t- a technical thing in, in terms of making sure that you have good lighting. You know, make sure both both sides of your face are, are lit. Uh, make sure that you're close enough in your framing that we can really see what you're doing. You know, if it's, if it's a full body shot self-tape, you know, if you're thinking it, we're seeing it. So we want to be close enough that we can see what's, you know, your face. Um, make sure we can hear you. Make sure you've watched it once 
or have somebody watch it. Um, you know, the amount of times where a tape is unusable uh, simply for a technical reason. You know, one time I received a self-tape, it was a one it was a one line and the person was completely fuzzy oh. for for the whole line. Yeah. And at the very, very end, it the image became clear just before the tape went off. <laughs> I can't send that. To the creative team. It does make you wonder. It's like, how did you send this right. and think that this was going to work? And maybe someone doesn't like to see themselves. I don't so know. So they just did it, sent it without did thinking. Did it, sent it, somebody didn't watch. I have to assume. But, you know, I can't, we can't use that. Right. And we often don't have time to... Ask again. To ask again. Mm-hmm. For us, you know, I, I like to utilize the self-taping... The intention was to have them in, but they're out of town or they just are on a different coast and we're casting out of New York, but we're seeing all over the country or elsewhere. And again, because of the digital age, self-taping is is a big thing. Some offices, I think at times, maybe use it to, to they can be able to see more people and pre-screen more people that way. You know, whatever it is, I, I don't think that there's a difference in the way that you want to prepare it's more just those technical things. Yeah. You know, even try to find a blank wall. It doesn't need to be a blue wall, you know? <laughs> it, you know, yeah. it just, but, you know, maybe don't do it in front of your bookcase. Something you know, that's try, not distracting. Yeah, yeah, try to stay away from anything that's too distracting. Yeah. You know, ultimately, we want to see your acting and your choices for that scene. And again, what would you do? And, and with that self-tape, should we do it twice? Uh, you know, okay, try it this way. Should we give two takes or what's, what are your thoughts? I don't think it's it's necessary to do that always. But if for some reason you feel strongly and say there's two different ways that this can go, there's two different ways to interpret this. I think both of those are possibilities you know, I want to show both. And it's it's clear that it's really it's really different. You know, I, I don't think... We don't need two takes just for the sake of two takes. Okay. But am I open to... Oh, there's there's two takes here. If, again, it's it's two really different ways to go. Yeah. I, you know, I, I personally would be, would be open to that. I'd prefer they be two separate links so that I can choose one right so instead of the same take right instead, instead of, of the same uh, yeah same scene yeah same role yeah and so would you say that that's the same for it seems like like say you're given three sides that needs to be three separate links three separate takes or put them all into one video that can be one video if you're if you're it's one role right and it's three different scenes yeah you don't have to separate that and then again i think if you're going if you're going to have for scene two, here's an alternate scene two. You know, I might separate that out. I yeah. Know. yeah, yeah, So in, in wrapping up, there's an organization that you had mentioned that you are a part of. Yes. Yeah, it's called uh, the Artist Patron Fund. It's a, a charity that provides fiscal sponsorship to mid-career artists. Oh, um, wow specifically project specific grants yeah all all funds go to the artists and their projects but not just performing arts also visual arts you know this was founded in 2016 Uh, elizabeth huber who is a very close friend going all the way back to to fordham um it was her idea always had a love for the arts and 
having been in the city now for so long, you know, we know so many artists who all this time later are still working at it, yeah. still putting up art and in New York and everywhere though. It's so expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so expensive to, to do this. Um, to live so, in the city and then to also exactly. have the art on the side. And just or, putting yeah. up the arts in, ge- you know, in general, you know, uh, because you don't, it doesn't have to be New York city specific, but I, I, you know, but I think seeing how incredibly expensive it is to, um, allow people to make, to, to make art and, and do what they love doing. So she had this idea to try to help raise, raise this, you know, fund so that every year people can apply depending on what projects they have and, um, can apply for, for, for different grants. Uh, the application period is actually open as we, as we speak. Um, you know, it, it's been d- different things. Um, in our initial year, Tony Gregory is a photographer and needed a, a grant to help fund a project. He was going to Oregon to to um, film the uh, solar eclipse. Oh wow! Um, needed uh, funding to help help that project along. We've given grants for stage productions uh, to the playwrights, uh, to a reading, to an actress who was uh, developing her own site specific work, uh, a developmental grant. So it just all, you know, um, is it mostly different new things. works that are promoted through this fund? Uh, yeah. I, um, I don't think that if, if somebody was putting up a classic, <laughs> um, or something, I don't think that that would be excluded. It would, de- it would depend on what the grant was, was for specifically right. and, um, and how that, that worked in to, you know, who we were able to help that year. And so you but, said that there's an application process. What is that application process like? Uh, well, um, there's a website, which is artistspatronfund.org. Um, and you'll learn all about us, all about the application process. Uh, we also have a fundraiser April 29th. So tonight, come on down to Elmo. Uh, we're going to have a, a fundraiser for the Artist Patron Fund. And yeah, I mean, the application process... We're looking for you to tell us what you're working on, how much you ideally would like um, to help fund the project, and and for what specifically. Maybe you're a visual artist and you are working on a piece that's going to be part of a, a larger, you know, maybe you're hoping to, to show at a gallery or something, and you just need some uh, grant money for supplies for material yeah. exactly it yeah. can be that it can really it can be that simple um all the way to you know you're putting up a full production and and so these are the production downtown. costs <laughs> right these are the production yeah. costs yeah. and every year you know, doing what we can to to raise as much as we can yeah. uh and then based on what we have how many applications we've received and, and what those are for trying to figure out where where the need is and then giving as much as we can and, and hoping that even if it's a, a small grant, sometimes that's just enough to, mm. to really help someone get that project started or completed or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever they are in the process. Exactly. Yeah. What is the, uh, the deadline for this application? Uh, the process? application period right now, it's open till July 1st. Okay. We usually then uh, announce grants sometime in the fall. Yeah, it sounds way. like it's a it's it's a great way then and a great organization that you're a part of to to really 
give back and foster those that are just trying to make it in this, yeah. <laughs> in this, yeah. in this business? Because you've been with it from the beginning since 2016. Yeah. So this is just our, our third annual fundraiser. In that sense, we're still we're still very new. Yeah. Um, again, artistpatronfund.org. You'll learn about the different artists. I, th- I think they're all you know pretty exciting. Uh, and so it's been a really fun, worthwhile organization to be, to be yeah, a part yeah. of. Yeah, it sounds like a, a great organization to be a part of. Well, thank you, John. Thank you for giving insights into the sometime crazy business of, of auditioning and acting. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> to learn more about John Ort, go to the website, winmepodcast.com. There you'll see all the links and details about what we talked about today, as well as the Artist Patron Fund. Also on the website, you will find a link to help support this podcast in producing these weekly episodes through your generous donations. More importantly, if you enjoy listening to these stories and interviews as much as I love being a part of them, then please share this podcast with those who you think would enjoy and benefit from these conversations. As always, thank you for joining me and John today. Don't miss a single episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. I'm Patrick Oliver-Jones, and I'll see you next time on why I'll never make it. Done. Lovely. Cool. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.